Our scripture this morning comes from Mark 4, 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And the other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord for us. I am back fresh from vacation. Um, Rachel and I were all the way down in lower Alabama, went to the Gulf. Um, I think I brought you guys a little bit of uh, this. The uh, beach down there is sugar white sand. So I think I brought a little bit of that for you guys. Just kidding. No, our van was filled with <laughs> sand. We had, to, we had to vacuum that out last evening. It was a great time away, but there's nothing like being home. <laughs> it was so good to, to be back in uh, this region and uh, this morning to be back with you all uh, to worship the Lord, uh, to draw near. So hope that you'll stay for our second hour, of course, and uh, be a part of one of our Sunday school classes, joining in with um, one of our core groups. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about trees. We got to see a lot of uh, different trees. When you, when you drive through the South, you go, oh, that just looks like the, the old classic picture of the South, these big, beautiful trees, and they look very different. And of course, palm trees as well. But when God designed big, tall, monstrous trees, the ones that just sort of fill the landscape of our nation and our world, he also designed them with root systems that would help them stand strong. That's why they don't always topple when the winds blow. Although we did have strong winds here recently, and we saw some toppled trees. Maybe you had some on your property. But did you know, I did a little bit of research about the, the biggest trees in our nation, the, the, the uh, hardwoods out in California. They can be over 1,000 tons. They can weigh as much as uh, 2 million pounds. In fact, there's a, a wild fig tree in South Africa that has the world's deepest roots. This is the tree in, uh, in a South African cave. Well, they discovered the roots in a cave. Its roots go 400 feet into the earth. Just this massive root system that gives it strength. And this root system connects it to all of the life-sustaining nourishment in the soil. And so, just like a tree needs a strong system of roots in order to withstand the, the winds and the storms of life so that it doesn't topple. So you and I also need strong roots so that when the storms of life come, we're not toppled. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If I haven't introduced myself, I should probably do that. My name is John. Just privileged and honored to be one of the pastors here at MCA. And I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger. I pray that your faith grows even deeper. So we are doing a study in the Gospel of Mark this summer. So we've had a few weeks where we've uh, kind of jumped in and learned some lessons. 
Um, today we're going to be in chapter 4, primarily the parable of the soils, but if we have time, we'll look at a few of the other parables from uh, chapter 4 as well. Jelaine read for us the first nine verses, so you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. And, and let me just give a, a brief synopsis, and we do have a, a, an illustration that we'll show up on the table here as well, but that Jesus teaches that when the word of God is sown on good soil, when it, when it finds that heart and life that is receptive and open to his work and to the gospel, that it takes root. And that what happens then to that plant or that tree is fruit. That you can see with your own eyes, that you can feel with your own hand, that you can taste with your own taste buds the fruit that comes from that tree. Why? Because it is rooted in the good soil. Of course, we see that the plants without the good soil withered, this is in verse 6 of Mark chapter 4, because they had no root. And so I'd like to begin with this idea of when we are rooted in Jesus, my friend, when we are rooted in Jesus, we are fruitful. We are fruitful kingdom workers, producing disciples, produce, producing gospel work. Also, when we're rooted in Jesus, we stand strong, as I said, that, that we're not toppled, that we don't crumble when the difficulties come, when the storms of life hit us. We don't just fall away from Christ, but we stand strong in him. In fact, let, let's look at what Paul says about this. Uh, before we jump into our full study of Mark 4, let's actually go to Colossians 2 and look at two verses there, 6 and 7. So in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, here's what Paul teaches. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with what? Hmm. So the person who is rooted is the person who is grateful. The fruit that hangs from some trees is quite bitter, isn't it? And sometimes the fruit that comes from these very lips is quite bitter when I complain and when I grumble, rather than praise God and thank him for what he has given me. And maybe you share that same conviction. That no, it is not the fruitful kingdom life rooted in Jesus that produces grumbling and complaining and bickering. And yet, too often we're lured in by those things. Why? Because our eyes are not fixed on Christ. And so let's be challenged with that this morning that Paul teaches us very clearly that when you're rooted in Jesus, Colossians 2 and verse 7, you will overflow with, say it again, thankfulness. And we have much, much to be thankful for. So Jesus teaches in parables. In parables. These are stories that Jesus tells. One of the best ways to capture a person's attention, to capture a person's heart, is to tell a story. And so Jesus did that. The Greek word, parable, it literally means to cast alongside, to throw alongside. Because with parables, there is a truth that runs beside the story. It's not just a story for entertainment's sake, for amusement's sake. There is a truth that runs parallel with it. A parable is a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly 
meaning. And so in this particular parable from Mark chapter 4, the parable of the soils is what I call it. Some people call it the parable of the sower. We have four different soils. So in fact, our fourth and fifth grade class here at MCA has done an experiment over the last several weeks. They decided to take four different soils and plant in them and see what the results would be. So uh, class, if you would come up and show us, bring up the different soils. We'll put them up here on the table. So following Jesus' parable in Mark chapter 4, this class has done four different types of soil planting. Are these beans? Okay. Okay, great. And this one, this one has a little, is this a little grave, graveyard? It says... R.I.P. Honey. Oh, your, cla your class had a pet. And the pet died and you buried it in here? <laughs> Why did you choose to bury the pet in here? Was it, was it a dog that was the class pet or what, what was it? Oh, a honeybee. The, the name of the pet was Honey. And, and Honey, did Honey accidentally get in the soil? Okay. So Keith Tenafos is the teacher of the class. He is a beekeeper, brought soil and brought in honey, who was in the soil, and now we've got the... Okay, great. So this is the good soil. Is that right? This is the, the thorns, the stony place, and the, the path. Okay, thank you. Hey, let's, let's cheer for these guys. We really appreciate that class taking on this project to help us to understand this parable. So now we have a good visual illustration. So here's what we're going to do with the rest of our time together as we study the Word of God. We're, we're going to talk about, and these are the words of Jesus because he explains it later in Mark chapter 4, what these, different, four, these four different types of soil represent, and then we're going to end with four action steps if we want to be the good soil, which we do. So four action steps then for if we want to be the, the, the good soil. So let's begin with the first soil, which is really just a path. And so the dirt that our class did here looks like they, they just packed it down really firm and hard uh, in, in the pot. So soil in a pot, just like the others, but it was packed down. And then there were the seeds or the beans that were planted on top. So this is where Jesus begins in Mark chapter 4. Um, so he actually gives us the meaning if you jump down to verse 15. So in Gospel of Mark chapter 4, verse 15, this is the seed sown along the path. Here's what Jesus says. He says, some people are like the seed sown along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So this is the person who hears the good news of Jesus. They hear the gospel, but they have no interest in it. They don't want to know more about Jesus. They have no hunger for spiritual things. The enemy has swooped in to ensure that they don't taste and see that the Lord is good. And so the class, as I understand it, uh, placed this pot outside to see maybe would birds come and eat it up, what would happen to these seeds. They placed it where our security cameras could capture it. 
So let's watch and see what happened to the seed sown on soil. Jonas just learned about this this morning, by the way. Uh, spilled into the flower bed where they were then, I think, covered up with mulch. So may not have been birds that took care of our seeds, but teenagers, although he is a highland hawk, so I guess that suffices. <laughs> but we have to understand that these people actually hear the good news of Jesus. They're, they're hard like the path that people walk on, and so the gospel doesn't penetrate into their hearts and produce fruit that takes no root because they haven't embraced the good news. I think for parents, this is especially sobering. You know, Rachel and I are at a stage in life where we're, we're training up and raising up the next generation. I know many of you are also at that same stage where you've got kids in your home or, or grandparents that are here that still have influence over their, their, um, their grandchildren. In Matthew's account of this same parable, he specifically says that these people do not understand the word. He, he says they don't understand it. And so then you realize it's incumbent upon the bearer of the good news to instill it and to explain it and to communicate it in a way that it's understood. And so moms and dads, we have a job. We have a responsibility to share the good news with our kids regularly, often, in ways that they can understand. You know, um, one of the hang-ups that I think we have is that our kids have questions. Any of you ever have kids who have questions? Kids are full of questions. They ask questions nonstop. They ask questions incessantly, and certainly theological questions. Why did God make people? That can be a hang-up for parents, knowing how do you respond when your kids ask these questions. They go, what does God look like? Does God ever cry? Hey, did Adam have a belly button? And I think one problem with kids asking these questions is that parents can become insecure. Well, I don't know what the answer is to those questions. But I want to encourage us today to, to embrace those questions. Even if you don't know what the answer is to those questions, say, man, that's a good question, little Johnny. Why don't we explore the scriptures and find out what the answer is? When there's something difficult, even in the Bible, when there's something difficult to understand, help your child wrestle with it. Help your child to search for the answers. Search the scriptures. Search the truth. And so how important it is, parents, for us to be doing prayer and devotions and study of scripture in our homes. Read the Bible to your children. Let me say it again. Read the Bible to your children. Maybe they're a little bit older. Have them take a turn and read a chapter. Discuss what you've read. What do you think this means? How do you think this might apply to your life? And don't just, as I said, don't just dismiss every question they ask. 
You know, par parents can just go, his ways are not our ways. Well, the question remains. And, and kids begin to get suspicious about mom and dad. Maybe they don't really know the answer. <laughs> Maybe they're afraid of, of finding out what the answer is. Don't just tell your kids, well, we won't know until we get to heaven. <laughs> Lean into those questions. Discover them together. See, here, here's what I'm, here, to connect this with the parable, here's what I'm suggesting. Don't allow Satan to swoop in and steal their tender young hearts and the seeds that you are trying to plant in their lives. Make sure that those seeds find good soil. So you've got to cultivate that. When you are rooted in Jesus, Satan cannot steal what was sown. And so that is the seed sown along the path. The next is the seed sown on rocky places. And so we see here the, uh, the class has placed these pebbles, these nice stones in this pot for the seeds planted here. It's not dirt, it's not earth, it's not soil, it's rocks and it's stones. And so Jesus explains that these are uh, a kind of people in verse 16. He says, uh, others are like the seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Oh, it might spring up a little bit. It might have just a pocket of moisture or, or a drop of dirt clumped in there but it's got no opportunity for roots going deep into healthy, good, nutrient-rich soil. And so these are the rocky places. He, he says this, he says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So let me share with you this morning something you probably already know, and that is that a follower of Jesus is going to be persecuted. You, if you choose to be like Jesus and to put your trust in him and to follow him with your life, you're going to get made fun of. You're going to get mocked. You're going to get called a Jesus freak. People aren't going to understand your priorities. They're not going to understand your values. They're not going to understand your lifestyle. And they're going to make fun of you for it. They're going to persecute you for it. But when you're rooted in Jesus, you don't just give in to those pressures to say, okay, well, I guess I just want to act like everyone else. I don't want to get made fun of. I don't, want to get, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to get picked on. When you're rooted in Jesus, even when you're criticized, you stand strong. Because what happens with the world is they just want to follow the crowd. That's why for young people, popularity is king. Everyone wants to be popular. You want other teenagers and high schoolers to think highly of you. And so what happens is, life is then lived in pursuit of popularity. So the cool kids use certain words and certain language. I mean, if I want to fit in, I have to use that kind of language and that kind of talk. The, the, the cool kids do certain kinds of activities, and so if I want to fit in, I, I got to be a part of that. They play certain games, they watch certain movies, they listen to certain music. I just have a feeling that after the sermon, someone's going to go, you stepped on toes today. Harken back five minutes ago, parents, what a great responsibility we have to help our children. 
Sometimes that means you're the bad guy. Sometimes that means you identify disaster that your child doesn't see. And young people, God has given you mom and dad. God has given you people older and wiser who love you and who care about you. Their goal is not to take away your joy and your fun. Not to just grumble and say, that's not my kind of music. But to say, we want to see you shaped and molded into the image of Jesus. And if that activity, that music, that game, those friends are not doing that, then there's no room for them in your life. This is seed that's sown in rocky places. And it springs up, but as soon as the difficulty comes, it withers. You see, when you put the heat on something, you reduce it. This is a scientific principle you reduce it to its simplest form. This is what happened to these plants, is they sprang up, but as soon as that scorching sun came, they withered, they had no roots. And so sometimes people do hear the gospel and they respond, or they've grown up in a, in a home where mom and dad love Jesus and they go, yeah, I want that. They pray a prayer and they say, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus. They get saved, they're enthusiastic about it. But then all of a sudden, you say to your friends, well, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I'm not going to go with you there. I, I love the Lord, and, I, and I, I'm saved by grace, so I'm not going to put myself in that kind of situation. And you get made fun of, and you have to make a very difficult decision. Because you can't be a part of the kingdom of God and consistently choose sinful activities and sinful behavior. The scripture talks about the person who tries to do that, and it's a double-minded person who is just split. You're just ripped in two. When you try to be the good little Christian person here, but then you know that your choices, your activity, your attitude, your words, your actions are worldly and sinful over there. You can't do both. And when you try, you're just torn apart on the inside. So you've got to make a decision. Am I going to be all in for Jesus? And then you've got to stand strong and say, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. Even when you get made fun of. Even when you start to make sacrifices like popularity. When you're rooted in Jesus, criticism cannot steal your faith. You stand strong. Okay, let's talk about the next soil. This is the third group that is sown among thorns. So we've got the seeds that take root. We've got the plant that grows up. But it's, but it's coexisting. <laughs> it's living right alongside some thorns. And you might say, well, that's green. Well, that's growing. It doesn't have any fruit. It's not going to bear any crop. It's not going to yield any harvest. It's there, but it's weak and it's ineffective. Why? Because of the thorns that are there. The, th the thorns are crowding it out. They're stealing its sunlight. They're stealing the nutrients from the soil. And so Jesus describes these seeds sown among the thorns in verse 19. We're in Mark chapter 4. They hear the word, Jesus says, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So he doesn't say that it dies. He doesn't say that it withers up in the scorching hot sun. He says it's 
unfruitful. Why? Because of worry and because of the deceitfulness of wealth. So it's just living this meager existence among the thorns. And I would like to suggest to you and I today that it is this soil, it is this plant, it is this third one that Jesus describes in Mark chapter 4 that is a picture and an illustration of the church in America. This is where we are. We live right alongside the world with their unbiblical worldview, with their ungodly habits and attitudes, and we say, I've got faith. I'm a Christian. But are we fruitful? Are we making disciples? Are we producing generation after generation that loves Jesus? Are we influencing our coworkers and our neighbors our classmates, our teammates? Are we sowing seeds in them to raise up a harvest of people who love Jesus? Because when I look at the church, I see people who are lured in by the world's values and by what the world says will give you pleasure. We are enticed by power. If I could be the one in charge, if I could be the one calling the shots, we're enticed by possessions. If I could just get more stuff, <laughs> I, I just need a, more money in my bank account and I need that newer car and I need that better phone. We're lured in by, by physical sensations, food and drink and substances and flesh. And sometimes we give in. You know this just as well as I do. Sometimes we cave to those temptations and we discover that they're very cruel masters. That they don't satisfy us. They, they leave us wanting more and, and pursuing even more. And that's really a description of addiction. You say, why would you go back to that thing that doesn't satisfy you? because it's hooked you just enough that you want it and you crave it, but it's never ultimately satisfying to you. And so we are addicted. And so we, we chase after the things that the world says will help us and will make us better or make us fulfilled. And how often do we just simply live in pursuit of comfort and luxury? That our life isn't necessarily about Making Jesus known, whatever the sacrifice, but it's about making myself comfortable, whatever it costs, whatever I can get my hands on to spend to make myself comfortable. And I'll just share with you how saddened and disappointed I am when I have conversations with people and I talk about their spiritual life. How's your walk with Jesus? How's your study of Scripture? What's happening? And they're like, uh, you know, it's... I mean, when they're real honest, they say, I mean, it's a little boring. I'm, again, I'm struggling to be interested, so 
I try to force myself to sit down and spend five minutes a day? Or how many times have I talked with individuals? And not in a way that's chastising or judgmental, but just in a way that I, I want to see you flourishing. I want to see you just feeding on the life-giving sustenance of God's word and a life lived in the spirit of God. And it's like, I should be reading my Bible more. Do you think that attitude really honors God? Because what I'm suggesting is that we should say, I love God's word. And the life lived in him, in community with other people, it's vibrant and it's alive. And so it's not a matter of, huh, I'm beating myself up because, you know, this is, this is an unpleasant task on my to-do list that, you know, I often, I often don't do. But to say, I'm just scheduling time in because I, I can't get enough. And so let me challenge you with that today, that, that the role that the Word of God plays in your life, it shouldn't just be a check it off the to-do. And do I feel like studying the Bible every single day? Am I always enthusiastic? No, of course not. I, I wouldn't pretend that. And, and there are times where you say, this is my routine and this is my habit. When you develop spiritual disciplines, prayer and study of Scripture and fasting, you don't always feel like doing those things. And, our, and, and praise God, our feelings don't dictate our lives. But when you're in Christ, you are rooted and you are gaining the nutrients that come from his word. And you are basking in the sunlight that only comes from the son of God, Jesus. And it's better than anything the world has to offer. That's when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so you keep running back to the Lord. And you, you, you recognize those things that have entrapped you, those things that you're addicted to, you got to walk away from those things. Those weeds that are in your life that are causing you to be unfruitful need to be plucked out and thrown into the fire. So you coexisted too long with the world and with the thorny weeds that are around you. They're stealing your fruitfulness. I think I've shared with you the story of a man I'll share it again. He owned a mule, and he grew very tired of the cost of feeding the mule. These oats are too expensive. And so he decided he would substitute in a little sawdust with the oats he was feeding his mule. So he did that, and the mule ate it right up. So he decided to add in even more. So he begins adding a little more sawdust each and every day to the uh, food that he's feeding his mule until the day arrives when he feeds his mule nothing but pure sawdust and the mule eats it up. And on that very same day, the mule died. Sometimes it's too late. You don't even realize that you've been dying. You don't realize that the, those thorny thistles have been stealing the nutrients and the sunlight and the space that you need. But friends, when you're rooted in Jesus, those worldly desires, they cannot lure you away from the goodness of God. They cannot steal you from Christ. They cannot entice you to leave his kingdom and pursue those things. And for those that have been lured in, today is the day to say, no more. Those weeds are getting plucked out, thrown into the fire, because this is good soil 
where Christ can plant, where fruitfulness will occur because of the gospel. So let's talk about the good soil. This is nutrient-rich. It's got access to water and sunlight. It's got space, and it's got roots that begin to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. So Jesus mentions it in verse 20. We're in Mark chapter 4. The ones who hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, sometimes, listen, when we study the parable of the soils, we think that the good soil is really just a description of global missionaries. Aren't this, isn't this about people who are, who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and then saving 30 people or 60 people? No. It, it includes them, but it includes people here in the West. It includes people that are young and people that are old. It includes men and women, boys and girls. This is what Jesus expects of each and every one of his followers. This is the opportunity that we have not to be this soil where we say, I love Jesus, you're okay, I'm okay. But where we say, in me Christ has found good soil. Where the roots of the gospel grow deep. And when this plant, when this tree grows up, it will be strong. And you will see you will be able to feel tangibly. You'll be able to taste the fruit that comes from it. Other people will grow to love Jesus because of what he's done in my life. And you don't compare notes and rank yourself with other people, right? It says some 30, some 60, some 100. It's not like the hundreds are walking around like, I'm 100, I got the badge. He's just saying each one of us has opportunities. And so it's not necessarily about, you know, the notches on your belt and comparing yourself to others. It's just saying, I'm going to be faithful with what God has given me. And we're going to make disciples. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about false prophets. And he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So it's a really simple equation. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree. Bad fruit. We are part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's growing. It's advancing. And in the kingdom of God, we multiply. In fact, what a, what a joy and blessing right here in our region, right here in our community, right here at MCA, to see the Lord adding to our number, to see the Lord growing us. And that's what we want, to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And so we're going to stay laser-focused on that. We're not going to get hung up on churchy stuff. We're going to bicker and argue about the color of the carpet or, or how the facility is kept up. The church isn't this building, my friends. The church is you and I. It's people who love Jesus and who are banded together in community and on mission. And so we want to be good soil, multiplying, making disciples, just like Jesus called us to do in the Great Commission. Because why? When you're rooted in Jesus, you are fruitful. We started there. When we are rooted in Jesus, as a child of God, you are fruitful. When we as a church corporately are rooted in Jesus and founded on the truths of the gospel in God's word, 
we will be fruitful. So we've talked about the four soils this morning. As we close then, I want to talk about four action steps. How do we become the good soil? Because that's who we want to be, right? Anybody else want to be the good soil? We want to be the good soil. We want, we want to be able to say, because of what God has done in my life, other people now know Jesus. I'm convinced that the best way to do that, by the way, is moms and dads raising children in their home. But it's not exclusively making disciples in your own home because we're given opportunities in the marketplace and in our neighborhoods as well. And so we want to take the opportunity to do that each and every place that we go. But let's talk about some specific actions of the good soil. So if we look closely at verse 20, the first action is to hear the word. In fact, this parable is bookended with these ideas in, in verse 3, the portion that Jelaine read for us. Verse 3 and then ending in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And Jesus begins by saying, listen. So there's this emphasis on listening. And, and the, the tense that's used here is the imperative. That means it's a command. It's, this is not just a fluffy invitation. <laughs> it's an instruction. We need to hear. Like the uh, middle-aged man, who, he was just distraught over his wife's stubborn refusal to admit that she had a hearing problem. In fact, he went to the doctor. He's a duck. She can't hear. I don't know what to do. So the doctor says, here's what you do. When you get home from work, open the door and call into your wife. Honey, what's for dinner? If she doesn't hear you, go closer to her and call again. Honey, what's for dinner? If she still doesn't hear you, go, go very close to her and almost whisper it. Honey, what's for dinner? And at that point, she will have to concede that she has a hearing problem, cannot hear you. So that's just what the man does. Steps in the door. Honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Goes a little closer. He kind of peeks in. He sees there she is. She's in the kitchen. She's hard at work. So he says, honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. So he goes up right behind his wife. She's not aware that he's there, and he almost whispers, honey, what's for dinner? She whirls around and says, for the third time, it's meatloaf. <laughs> is it that God isn't speaking? Or is it that we're not listening? Oh, that God would give us ears to hear what he is saying, that he would give us spirits willing to walk in full obedience. So again, what role does the scripture play in your daily life? And this is why, by the way, this is why for, for many of you, for certainly the homes that I've lived in, we put Bible verses on the walls. We put them up in, in the bathroom and in the living room and in the kitchen because that feeds your soul when you're reminded of those great truths of Scripture. So, so is your home decorated with Scripture? That's a great technique. Are you memorizing the Word of God so that even when you don't have your Bible with you, even when you don't have time to sit down and do it, that you've got it? It comes to mind. Or in, in today's world, it's amazing, the, the technology and the resources we have as you're driving down the road, pull out your phone and your Bible app. They'll read it to you. You don't have to listen to the radio. You can listen to teaching on podcasts or the, the Word of God. You can choose the voice. Is it dramatized? Is there music behind it? Do I want the British guy? <laughs> 
So the reason I mention that is because if the word of God has a prominent role in your life, it begins to shape your heart and your life so that you're good soil. Why? Because you want to hear the word each and every day, hearing the word. So incorporate scripture into your everyday life. We become rooted in Jesus when we become intentional about hearing him. First action step is hear the word. The second is accept the word. This is what Jesus says the fruitful ones do. Accept the word. The Greek word for accept is a verb, and it means acknowledge as true. Acknowledge as true. But in the scriptures, this word is actually linked with the concept of love. Accepting is linked with the concept of love, like where it's used in Hebrews 12 and verse 6. It says this, The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts. God accepts us. God loves us, and God wants us to accept all that he has for us. This doesn't mean that we don't ask questions. Again, I talked about that a few minutes ago. We encourage questions from our little ones, and we ask questions ourselves. A good theologian, a good follower of Jesus, should be asking questions. But it does mean that we believe God. And I'm not sure if I've explained to you the difference between believing God and believing in God. But there's a big difference. A lot of people believe in God. A lot of people would give assent to the existence of some sort of higher being or higher power. That's uh, believing in God. Even the demons believe in God. But believing God means, God, what you say is true. God, your promises do not fail. God, you are faithful to a thousand generations. Believing God means taking him at his word. And so Jesus wants his followers to believe him and to then walk in full obedience to what he calls us to do, like sharing the good news with others, right? Uh, Just like we talked about uh, a few weeks ago here. He he calls the disciples and he says, I'm going to send you out on mission to fish for people. You're going to become fishers of men. And God's desire is that everyone would be saved. We know that from 1 Timothy 2, 4, that everyone would come to a knowledge of the truth. And yet history shows us, and the scripture, of course, backs this up, that the Jewish people rejected Christ. They they didn't see that he was the Messiah, the Redeemer. They didn't receive him. John tells us that. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Or accept him. Those words are really kind of interchangeable. They, they didn't accept the word in flesh. And lots of people do the same thing today. Willing to believe in God, but not willing to accept his lot, his plan, his way for your life. So as we're talking about action steps this morning, we want to be the good soil. We hear the word. We accept the word Thirdly, we reproduce the word. This is really kind of the defining characteristic, isn't it? I mean, this is the hallmark of the good soil. It's this third action step of reproducing the word. Like, like this crop produces 30, 60, 100-fold of what was sown, that your life should demonstrate the gospel in such a way that other people come to Jesus because of it, That, that your life should demonstrate the good news of Jesus to an unbelieving world. 
So immediately following this parable, Jesus tells the parable, or he, he mentions the lamp on a stand. You're familiar with these verses. He says to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. The person who's rooted in Jesus doesn't need to hide behind a facade. So even if you're a leader, you say, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect and, and always pious and always holy. God's doing a work in me. And so I need to confess at times that I've done wrong, that, that I've had a, a crummy attitude, that, that, I've, that I've passed up opportunities that God put before me because of my own selfishness. that I need a savior, <laughs> that I need to grow to become even more like Jesus. See, this is the good news, isn't it? It's that on my own, left to my own devices, I am helpless, I'm desperate, but in Christ, I am fruitful, that, that he has done a good work. And so our story becomes a part of his story, and it's a story that produces fruit. It produces even more disciples who love and follow Jesus. Okay, there's a fourth action step that I want to talk about, and it's, um, let's, let's say, do the word. <laughs> do the word, where when someone look, takes a look at your life, they know you're not going to stop, you're not going to give up, you're just going to press on, you're just going to keep doing it. That this isn't just flavor of the month, that's what he, she's into right now, but it's going to change. It's, this person loves Jesus and is steadfast unwavering, pressing on. See, none of the other soils do this, you'll, you'll notice. It, it's the good soil that just consistently, year after year, produces crops, produces the harvest over and over and over again. It keeps growing. It keeps working. Day and night, by the way. Uh, Jesus talks about that in verse 26. We're in Mark chapter 4. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. See, this helps us to understand that God's kingdom doesn't take breaks, it doesn't take timeouts, it doesn't take vacations. It just keeps going. It keeps advancing. The harvest is being prepared. There is always an opportunity for followers of Jesus to demonstrate the good news to others. When Rachel and I were in Alabama just uh, over the last uh, while on vacation, we were really blessed because there was actually a church there that hosted us. And so we got to uh, meet a bunch of people. We got to kind of uh, see what their ministry is like. You know, it's, it's very different from the way we operate. <laughs> um, it, it's a, it's a multi-ethnic congregation, uh, and they, they do church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We actually were there over a span of multiple Wednesdays, so we did church like, uh, plus their like Sunday school hour, there was a whole nother lesson. It seemed like we did church four or five times. <laughs> uh, they, they allowed me to preach in one of their services. And it was really a great opportunity just to see a, a, a really cool and unique body of believers. And, and uh, they're in, a, in an area there where they've got a ton of people just living 
hand-to-mouth. They're in poverty. They're homeless. Um, I, I saw one house that was uh, totally dilapidated. I, I mentioned to one of the uh, staff at the church there about the, the house being condemned. It, it was just adjacent to the church property. He said, oh, no, somebody lives there. I'm like, there are trees. They had Hurricane Ivan that went through that uh, region a while back. There were trees that had fallen over, crashing into the roof of this house. Like, no one could live there. Yeah, it's a young man named Chase. He, he lives there. And, and so they have uh, a food pantry, and they serve meals several times a week where they just open the doors, come in, and you just break bread and, and eat together. They've got clothes and, and hygiene products, and they just bless people with those. They're being fruitful. They, they live in, a, in a, a tourist location, right, real close to the beach, these sugar white sands of the beach where it's, you want to go get, you know, $14 ice cream and go putt-putting. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of over the top. They live in a region like that, but here they are serving the least of these. And so I was blessed by that. And, and it helped to to show me this very principle of they just do the word. They just do the work of the gospel. They're, they're blessing people. They're feeding people. The, the, the kingdom of God doesn't take breaks. And man, you might say, that sounds really hard. It sounds really hard to do all of what this good soil is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. And maybe these four action steps of hear the word, accept the word, reproduce the word, and do the word underscore that forms an acronym of hard, by the way. <laughs> but the hardest part has already been taken care of by Jesus. The hardest part was our Savior who willingly went to the cross, shed his blood. The Lamb of God, slain. Why? To take away the sin of the world. And so when we put our trust in him, when we say, in me, Lord, find good soil where you can plant, where you can do a work, we become free from our enemy. We become free from the entrapment of the world and the things that entice us and, and lure us in. We're like, we're servant of Christ. We're now part of the family of God. You know, I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm convinced the best way to make disciples is in the home. is mom and dad having kids and teaching them about Jesus. Is it a coincidence that the biblical language is that God is heavenly father? That you're his daughter? That you're his son? That we belong to the household of faith? That we are part of the family of God? No, it's not. There's a whole passage, we don't have time today, but there's a whole passage in Romans that talks about you are orphaned by sin. And God chose you and said, I'm going to adopt you. And you're now going to come and live with me and be a part of my family. And so it's in that choice that we simply say yes to the hard work that's already been done by Christ. Of laying down his life, of paving the way. See, he took the punishment that you and I deserve. So that we can be accepted by a holy and loving God, even though we are imperfect and flawed and sinful. The last verses in Mark chapter 4 in this section, it's the parable of the mustard seed. Verses 30 through 32. Again, our Lord Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? It's like 
a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds perch in its shade. And you begin to realize, really, all of these parables have the same common theme. A small beginning, but a big surprise harvest at the end. So Jesus is helping us in these parables, in these stories. He's helping us to understand what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a seed that takes root in us. Will we be good soil who will produce a harvest? Will the kingdom expand because of just in response to God's great mercy? We have heard, we have accepted, we have reproduced the word. And by the Spirit of God, we will do the word. So friends, listen, when you are rooted in Jesus, when, when you've got those, those roots in your life that go down deep into the soil in Christ, when you're not weakened by those surrounding thorns, when, when it's not just shallow, when you've not allowed Satan to snatch away what was sown in you, you will stand strong for the glory of God. There's a Malaysian proverb that I came across that says, a tree with strong roots laughs at storms. So when the storms of life blow, when the branches begin to creak and crack, it is the roots that will keep your life from toppling. It's like the description of the blessed in Psalm 1. Like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. When you're rooted in Jesus, you're going to stand strong. When you're rooted in Jesus, you're going to be a fruitful kingdom worker. When you're rooted in Jesus, you will not be shaken. And so may the word of the Lord take root in us that we would hear it and accept it and obey it and reproduce it and become fruitful. That we would stand strong even when life storms come. Why? Because we are rooted in Jesus and we are rooted in his remarkable kingdom. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we're so grateful. I pray that you would give us thankfulness as we reflect on who you are and what you've done. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the way that you taught where you, you, you told stories that captivated hearts and you showed the, the spiritual meaning right alongside them, Lord, that we would also be captivated by spiritual things. So we confess that we've been lured in by what the world offers. Lord, help us to turn from it and to embrace the full and abundant life that only you offer. Lord, you can accomplish this. We pray that you would, by your spirit, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.